Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, guys, before we get into the word, you know, I was meditating on something this week. Um, I was meditating on, on, uh, on being a friend. You know, there's a lot of things that we, uh, that we, you know, learn to do in life. And one of the things that I'm very thankful for is that God is a friend to us. And the Word of God tells us that He makes us a friend. But there's something that we learn about God is that God doesn't, God can't force us to be a friend to Him. He gives us that opportunity to be a friend, but we have to take that. And what God does is that He is close, He is caring, and He makes it not about Him, but He makes it about us. And it made me think about us being friends, you know, there are times in life where we are, when it's necessary for us to step in as a friend. And it doesn't always mean that we're always going to get what we're looking, what, what we're looking to give doesn't always mean that we'll get that back. But in the season that God calls us to be a friend to someone, I want to encourage you to be there for them. Whether, it, whether or not that you you're, are getting the same thing back, there is something about being a friend in a time of need, and it's giving of yourself. It's not making that moment about me, it's making about them. And I believe that in those seasons, it'll go further and farther, more and long, it'll go longer than you thought ever possible. Sometimes people need a friend. And listen, there are times when we need a friend. Let me encourage you. When in a time where you are needing a friend, sow a seed of being a friend to someone else and see what the Lord will do for you. Because it's times like that, that God is able to do more through us than we ever thought possible. Amen? Amen. That may be for somebody, but let me encourage you. Let us all be a friend. Well, listen, are you guys ready for the word this morning? Well, we are going to be in Psalms 103 today. Psalms 103, and the title of the message this morning is God's great love for you. God's great love for you. It is incredible to know that God loves you. He loves you. And it is true that he loves you. In fact, whenever you, I'm sure that you've heard that before. When you read the word of God, you see that God loves you. But what does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to look at Psalms 103 today to answer that in verse 11 and 12. We're going to read that real quick, and then we'll go back to it a little bit later. So let's go ahead and read Psalms 103, verse 11 and 12. It says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As, for, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, 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 two verses those are. We're going to come back to those in just a moment. But I want to talk about love in general, just the word love for a moment. Because I don't know about you, but uh, I've noticed that at least in our culture, love can mean a lot of different things, right? Right? 
Love can mean a lot of different things, okay? You know, uh, I love my wife, but whenever I go to my, my friends and say, hey, I love you, bro, it's two different types of loves, okay? Um, uh, also, there are things that we say that we love, okay? You know, there are things that you love. When you say that you love something, you're saying that you enjoy it. You enjoy it very much. Listen, I love food. Anybody with me? Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, come on. I love me some food, okay? Uh, I love to hoop. I love to play basketball. I enjoy it. You have things that you love. Maybe you love to travel. Maybe you love uh, uh, to work out. Maybe, you know, there are things that you love. We all love something. But when we say that we love, it's completely different than when I say that I love my wife. It is, it is a different kind of love. And there are higher forms of love. You see, uh, whenever I say that I love something, it's a good feeling that I get. It's something that I enjoy. But whenever we say that God loves you, we're not talking about warm fuzzies that he gets for you. We're not talking about just that God feels this warm kind of feeling for you that's momentary, that's, that's, that's for the moment. Because if that was the case, I, I, you know, that would be a little shallow. If God's love was only went from moment to moment based on how he felt, man, Lord Jesus, that he would only forgive me based on how he was feeling about me, man, man, that, that, would, be, uh, that would be something else. But that is not God's love for you. That's not the type of love that we're talking about. Whenever God says, when we hear in the word of God that he loves you. So what kind of love are we talking about when he says that he loves you? Okay, well, let's take it for instance. When I say that I love my wife, what I mean when I love my wife is that I give her my life. I give her everything. Okay, but still that's not the highest form of love. It's my highest form of love. It's possibly your highest form of love. Maybe me, me giving my love for my child, that's another higher form of love, but it's still not the highest form of love. I would say that the highest form of love is God's love that he has for you. We're going to talk about that in a moment. When we talk about his love, we're talking about his, one of his attributes, Okay, well, what are, what are God's attributes? We're talking about, when we say God's attributes, we're talking about the things that make God, God. Okay, God is eternal. Okay, that's one of his attributes. God would not be God if he wasn't eternal. Whenever, whenever he was asked who he is, his, his, his response was, I am meaning that I've always existed. God has always existed. He is eternal. When we say that God is unchangeable, we mean that he never changes. He is always the same. Thank God that he doesn't change his mind about you. Thank God he doesn't change his mind about me. He's omnipresent. He is in all places at all times. How in the world does that work? Well, he's God. He's omnipotent. Omni meaning all, potent meaning powerful. He's all powerful, all power in his hands. He's, om, uh, he's omniscient, omniscience. 
meaning that he is all-knowing. He knows all things. He is transcendent. We can keep going. And those are, things, those are attributes that, that make him God. But there are also other attributes that we recognize, things like his faithfulness. He is faithful to you. He is good. In fact, he's not just good, he's eternally good. He, everything he does is good. He is just. He is holy. We can keep going, but in the same way that he is all those things, God is loving. He is loving. In fact, 1 John describes it as God is love. 1 John tells us that God is love. Well, what does that mean? That God is love. Well, it means that God is all love. It means that anything that God does, he does out of love. That's who he is. Okay? Now, there are some unchangeable realities about us, okay? There are unchangeable realities. All right? Listen, not that you guys didn't know, but, okay, I'm a black man. Okay? I'm just saying. But my point is that that's an unchangeable reality. Okay? I'm always going to be black. Okay? You're always going to be you. There's gonna, there's, there are certain things that don't change. Okay? And it's the same thing with God, that there are certain things that don't change. God is good and God is loving. He has always loved and he always will love. That is who he is. Okay, so, so when we say that, that God is love, it is just who he is. It's an unchangeable reality. No matter what he does, he will always do it out of love. Now, as I mentioned, he's eternal, meaning that he's eternally loving. Okay, eternal. I'm not sure if you've ever tried to think out God being eternal. Have you ever tried that before? Like try to think that God is eternal. Okay, let me go back. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys ever done that mental exercise. Okay, don't try it. I promise. It's, it's, it's so hard. You can't. It's impossible. How do you think into eternity? You can't. It just doesn't stop. And what that means is that before time, before space, before matter, God was and love existed. Meaning that before you and I ever had a definition of love, love had a definition and it was God. That is who he is. And so anything that he's going to do, it's going to be through love. So if God is love, then what does he love? Well, you can go through the word of God and you can find things that God loves. You know, God loves righteousness, okay? You know, God loves a cheerful giver. We could talk about things that, God's love, that God loves, but I think that there is one thing that God loves above everything else. When I say God, I'm talking about the Godhead, the Trinity, God, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that, that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. They love one another in eternity, before time ever existed, 
Okay, that, okay we'll get into that another time. But there is one thing that I believe that when you look in Scripture, the evidence, evidence shows that what God loves more than anything else, above everything else that God loves, is you. Above anything else, the thing that God loves the most is you. He loves you. And he showed it, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment, in just a moment. But he loves you. Okay? Now, this scripture that we just read talked about how great his love is. So how great is his love? Like how do you, how can you measure love? How can you measure, okay, we can measure our love, okay? And if, whether we like to admit it or not, our love does have conditions, okay? We love our children unconditionally, okay? We love our family unconditionally, you know, there are moments, but <laughs> we're being honest, but we love, our, we love our family, okay? We love our spouse. But outside of that, man, our love is pretty conditional. I mean, if, we, if we're all being honest, okay? Or am I just the only one? Maybe I'm the only one, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I need to work on me some more. But God's love is different. How great is his love for you? Well, let's go back to this verse because he explains this here. He says right here, verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. What does that mean? Well, these were written by David. David in the Old Testament he was a shepherd boy who became king over Israel, and he's in the bloodline of Jesus. And uh, David, he was writing this psalm, and he was encouraging his soul to praise God, to praise the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. You know, there are times in life where we've got to encourage ourselves. When there's nobody else there to encourage us, that we've got to encourage ourselves, but he encouraged himself to praise the Lord. There are times in life where we have to remind ourselves, encourage ourselves to pull us out of something, to pull us out of whatever we're going through. And sometimes the only thing we can do is try to wake ourselves up to just give God the glory and say, God, you are good. And he begins to, he begins to remind himself of who God is, that he is forgiving that he is just, that he is there. He is my help in my time of need, and he's reminding me. And this is a good practice for us, that, that there are times in life where we've got to remind ourselves of who God is in our life. Can I get an amen? amen. There, is a, there are times where we've got to pull ourselves out by reminding ourself, ourselves of his goodness. And this is what David is doing. But then he gets to verse 11, and he talks about his love. And I'm imagining that while these are some really wise words that David wrote down, I don't know, I don't imagine that he really understood the weight of the words that he was saying. What I mean is, 
is that, you know, I, I just imagine David leaning back, laying in his pasture, looking up in the night sky. Maybe he's watching and attending to, to the sheep. Maybe he's on the run from Saul. If you've read um, through, uh, through 1 Kings and if you've read through 2 Samuel and you've read through all, you know, you know the account of David, uh, you know, uh, being king in Israel or whether it be him as, uh, you know, he's running from Absalom. But I'm just imagining David somewhere in his timeline, him leaning back and him looking up in the sky at night and seeing the vast beauty of the stars. Has anybody ever been out and seen the stars when there's no light pollution? Everybody ever been, done that before? It's incredible. And it's, it's almost impossible not to think, like, how did that get there? You know, what God, when he talks about how he stretches the sky like a tent, stretches it over the skies, it's something beautiful to behold. And I just imagine David looking up when he wrote this and seeing this and imagining how high the heavens are above the earth. But again, when he wrote this, I, I don't know that in around 1035 to 970 BC that David was here on this earth that he knew what those words meant, that anybody really understood the weight of those words. But today we have a much better idea. So what we're going to do for a moment is I'm going to take y'all back to science class, okay? Let's just, let's just take a mental break for a second, okay? Listen, I'm not a teacher, so teachers forgive me, okay? But we're going to go back to science class. And listen, I don't know how long it's been for you since you've been in school. It's been a long time for me, okay? I know for some of you it's been a long time for you as well. And if you're like me, you have forgotten a lot, okay? All right? I know because I'm having to, I'm having to help my daughter with her homework. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm over here Googling stuff like, man, how do we do that? And I'm pretty sure we did it way different than they did, but it's okay. And, and so I'm going to take us back to science class because I want us so we can really unpack this right here. When we talked about the heavens being higher than the earth, okay? So right now there is a Voyager 1 spacecraft in space right now, okay? And it travels at the speed of 38,000 miles per hour. Whoa. Okay, to give you some context, that would get you around the world almost five whole times in just one hour. Incredible. In fact, it'll get you around the world one time in less than 15 minutes. That's pretty fast, isn't it? Okay, uh, go ahead and put that picture up. I want y'all to see this. Okay, so uh, listen, I know that I'm boring some of you guys, but listen, just hang with me, okay? Hang with me. I got a point here, okay? So the sun okay, from the earth is 93 million miles away. If you traveled at 38,000 miles per hour, which is the speed of that spacecraft, it would take you three months to get to the sun. That's pretty cool. What about to Saturn? If you want to get to Saturn, Saturn is 930 million miles away. It would take you three years traveling at the speed of a spacecraft, 38,000 miles per hour, okay? which I don't think we can do, but if you were, it would take you three years. What about to the very edge of our solar system? Okay, this is our solar system. I'm not talking about in right here. I'm talking about outside the Oort cloud, the asteroid belt. How long would it take? Okay, 
I couldn't even do the math there first off, by the way. Okay, but let me just help you real fast. This measurement is in astronomical units. One astronomical unit is 67,000 miles in one astronomical, in one astronomical unit. That's 100,000 astronomical units, okay? You have to convert that to light years, meaning uh, that, that, that it will, let's just say with AU, it take you 30,000 years to travel in a spacecraft going at 38,000 miles per hour to get to the edge of our solar system. What in the world? And that's just our solar system. Okay, I'm gonna do a few more, hang with me. Okay, hang with me guys, I got a few more. Okay, what about the closest star? Whenever you look up in the sky and you see those stars, those are not in our solar system. They're in our galaxy. What is the closest star? The closest star you have to convert to light years is 4.3 light years away. In other words, when you see that star, it's four and a half years old. Okay, it's traveling at the speed of light. Now, let me tell you, the speed of light, okay, travels at 186,000 miles per second. What? Okay, am I blowing anybody's mind here? Because this is, this is crazy to me. In other words, in one second, you can get around the earth in seven and a half times. Okay, incredible. Just a couple more. Let's... Uh, change that picture. Let's go to the next picture. This is our galaxy. Isn't that beautiful? It's incredible. It's, an, it's, it's phenomenal what God created. This is our galaxy. To travel to the edge of our galaxy, it would take 20, 20, 27,000 light years. It's impossible. Impossible. That's how high and how far our galaxy is. All right, one, one more, guys, one more, okay? One more, last one. What is beyond our galaxy? Well, there is a Hubble telescope that floats around in space, and it was able to look beyond our galaxy to see what's beyond us, okay? And it zoomed 10 to 15 billion light years away. And you know what it found? Why don't you take a look at this? I'm going to show you a video, which you can find on YouTube, okay? Right here is going to show the constellations here in our galaxy, in our stars. Now it's going to zoom, okay? It's zooming, going through our, our galaxy. Dun, 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 dun. It's going through. And look what it found. Do you know what those are? 10,000 more galaxies. What? Are you serious? That is incredible. 10,000 other galaxies. We already just talked about how big our galaxy and how impossible it is just to reach the end of our other galaxy, let alone to travel to another one. So when you read that verse, as far as the heavens are above the earth. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for you. Wow. That's immeasurable. How can you measure the universe? It's impossible. We've reached our limits and there's more beyond it. 
in the same way, God's love for you is an eternal love that is immeasurable. In fact, the word of God describes his love as being unknowable, being incomprehensible. His love for you is so great that you can never measure it. What do you even do with that? Well, you may ask, okay, well, I get it. God's, God, God's love is so big, I get it. But when does he ever show that he loves me? He did it 2,000 years ago. When God sent his only son to bleed and die on a cross. He sent his son. And now listen, you may say, but, well, why does that matter to me? You know, I mean, him dying for me, why does that matter? It's because we need him. We need God. Let me tell you, if, if, if you or I were to leave here, leave church, and to go and break a law, commit a felony, I don't encourage that, okay, and hopefully nobody's going to do that, but if we were, guess what? We're going to court. We're going to get arrested. We're going to go to court, and when we go to court, listen, I can pretty much vouch for everybody here. I would say that generally, pretty much all of us, you know, generally, I mean, you know, we're some, I mean, pretty good people. And you can, we can tell the judge, hey, listen, man, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a good father. You know, I, I'm a, you know, I, you know, listen, I go to church, okay? You can call my pastor, okay? You know, I, all these things. We can say all these things, but the judge is going to look at it. He's going to tell us, listen, I'm sorry, but you're not, today you're not being judged on the good things you've done. You're being judged on the law that you broke. And there's a penalty for it. It's the same way in the court of God. When we come before God, when we sin, when we miss the mark is what sin means. We miss the mark when we sin and we break God's law. He has to judge according to the law we broke. And there's a penalty. And that penalty in the court of God is eternal separation from him. It's death. But thanks be to God that he did not want that to be your conclusion. Thank God that he did not want that to be the end of the story, but he made a way for you. He made a way for you, and he did it through his son, Jesus. He sent his son. He, he, he descended from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, and then he was arrested. He was mocked. He was, he was, he was spit upon. He was beaten, and then he was, he was nailed to the cross where he bled and died for you. He went to the grave, and on the third day, he beat sin, death, hell, and the grave, rose victorious, victoriously, and now he is in heaven seated at the right hand of God so that you could have eternal life. Listen, let me tell you that you and I need God because he makes a way for us to have eternity with him. He did it. But when you think about it, God's love for you, he showed it, this great love he showed it through his son, Jesus, and he did it by sending his own son to die for you. Now, listen, I don't know one person that would ever give up their own child for someone else. Listen, I mean, listen, we would, we would give up our own life for our own children, maybe for a family member. Just depends on who it is, right? Okay, I'll stop. I'm, I'm, I'm messing. 
okay? We would give up our own life, and in the right situation, we would give up our, our, our life for another child. But for someone we don't know, for someone who has done something wrong and we know it, to give up your life for that, we would never do that. Rationally, it doesn't make sense. No one who would ever do something like that. Jesus did. But not only did that, his father gave up his son, offered up his son so that you could be set free. That doesn't even make sense. But it shows this wild, crazy, wild's not a good word, this, it, this extravagant, big, great love that he has for you. That he gave up his only son for your sake. Wow. What would motivate God to do something like that? What would motivate God to give up his own child for your freedom. Love. It's love. His love for you. You know this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That so, I, it just takes me back to this great, 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 great love. This immeasurable love that God has for us. He loved us so much and he didn't want this eternal gap to be in between him and us that he did the unthinkable by offering up his son. He so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I love what Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Man, he didn't even die for the ones he thought were good. Like, you know, like there are some that are good. I'm going to die for those people. No, he wasn't because the Bible says that we are all not good. We are all evil. We all have sinned. While you didn't care about God, when you weren't looking for God, you didn't care, you, you didn't love God. He died for you then. Why? Because he loves you. God loves you with a love that is immeasurable, that is incomprehensible, and that is beyond our understanding. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for you. His steadfast love. That word steadfast means that it doesn't change, that it continues his love for you is not going to change. You're not going to change his mind. When Jesus went to the cross, as Pastor Ken said during worship, when he said that it is finished, he's not going to go back and change it. It's already been done. He's not going to change his mind. It's a steadfast love for those who fear him. That fear is not some scared or afraid that he's going to come and whack you. But instead, it's a humility, recognizing that he is God and I am not. That he is Lord and I am not. Submitting ourselves to him. 
For as high as the heavens are above the earth, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. So how do we respond to a love like this? How do you respond to that? Three ways. Number one is for us to receive Christ, for you to receive Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're hearing this word, you're hearing this message, and maybe you know that you have not, that, that you realize that you have not given your life to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're hearing about what Jesus did for you and you're not sure, 100% sure that you were on your way to heaven. The response, his hope and his desire is that you would place your faith in him, that you would trust him, that you would be born again. The word of God tells us that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. The whole reason that he sent his son is so that you would be born again, that you would give your life for him. It means that we have to repent, turn away from our life and, and give ourselves to him and to follow him to trust in him, to place our faith in him. But in doing so, you receive eternal life. I want to encourage you, if, you hear, if you're here later on, I'm going, to give us, I'm going to give everyone an opportunity for us to place our faith in Jesus. I still remember, guys, where I was when I first, when I gave my life to Jesus. Actually, I gave my life to Jesus two times. The first time, it wasn't genuine. I, I didn't really mean it. I still remember going up to the front but in the back of my mind, I knew I wasn't really giving my heart to God. I was going to go and continue doing what I was doing. But when I heard about Jesus in that real way, and I really realized that I needed him, I gave my life to Jesus. And I still remember where I was. I still remember going up to the front, bowing on my knees and just giving my life to God, saying, God, I need you. In that moment, when I got up from that floor, I, I promise everything was different. Everything was different for me. I couldn't even imagine going back to the old life. He changed me. Amen. Amen? Maybe you know that same story. Maybe you too have been born again. We, God's desire is that every person will come to Christ and place their faith in him. That's the first way that we can respond to this love. Secondly, the second way is to love God with all your heart. To love God with all of your heart. God's love is not only for guilty sinners like we were. His love is not only, not just good for only when we come to salvation and then, you know, it's, it's accomplished his goal. Of course, it's accomplished one of its goals. But God's desire is that his love will continue to reach into your life to continually draw you in until he becomes the thing that you treasure most. I believe that God knows that we struggle. He knows that we wrestle with making God our one treasure. There are so many things that we get pulled and there is a constant struggle as a believer of continually trusting God with our whole heart. And he knows it. 
But his desire, this great love, his desire is that every day that it, we would step a, take another step closer to him and that he would become more and more and more of our treasure, that we, that he, that we would give him more of our heart. Whenever, whenever Jesus uh, is, uh, uh, spoke to his disciples and he said that, 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 that we will come and we will make our home in you, in your heart, he says, to dwell with you. God's desire is that he would come into our heart and to make our heart his home. It's the same thing whenever you say, you know, your you know, friends come over and say, hey, man, you know, make yourself at home. I don't think you literally mean, okay, cool, let me go and make some ribs real fast, man. What you grill, man? Let me, you know, let me get you, you know, what you got in the pantry. Hey, listen, I'm going to bring some of my clothes. And I'm going to wash my clothes there. Hey, can I have your bed? Okay, we don't really mean that, but that's God's desire in our heart, that he would come into our heart and he would begin to rearrange our heart, what's on the walls, what's in our pantry, our routine. He wants to change our thoughts. He wants to change our routine. He wants to change what's in us. He wants to do a makeover in our heart. God's desire is that we would give more of our heart to him every day, that, we, that he would become our treasure. And we do that by abiding in him, by taking his word and putting it in our heart and letting it, let it, and let it speak to us in our heart and holding on to it and allowing it to continue to change us. We respond to his love by loving God with all of our heart. It's simply worshiping him. And then number three, to show and tell others the love of Christ. I'm so thankful for those who showed me the love of Jesus. I'm so thankful for those who have showed you the love of Jesus. And there's somebody else in your life, in your family, your friend group, your work that need Jesus. And the word of God is clear that you and I are his feet in his hands. What greater way can we respond to such a great love than by us to share it with someone else? Someone desperately needs it. Someone needs it. And we can show it by showing people grace even when they don't deserve it. Why? Because that's what God did for you. Showing people forgiveness even when they don't expect it. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for you. To show somebody mercy, to show patience when it's not expected, it will show Jesus. We can tell them, we can invite them, but let us show and tell others about this great love that we enjoy. Amen. Amen. One more time to read this verse one more time. Psalms 103.11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. God loves you. And his love for you is not going to change. It's not going to change one bit. And his hope is that if you don't know him, that you would. That you would place your faith in him. 
that you would believe in him, that you would trust and believe and make him Lord of your life. You can do that simply by humbling yourself, realizing that you need Jesus, repenting and asking for forgiveness, and receiving that free gift of salvation. And if you would do that, the Bible says that you will be born again. In fact, we're going to pray real fast. And uh, as we pray, I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front. God knows where you're at, okay? He knows where you're at. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in your heart where you're at. But if you're here today, um, I'm going to ask you to just humble your heart. We're all going to pray together. Let's, let's, let's take up a posture of prayer. And here in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. And if you are not born again and you would like to be saved in your heart, I want you to pray this prayer and I want you to mean it. Mean it. Pray it and believe it. The words in the prayer are to have no power. There's no power in the words. The power is in your faith. And if you will humble yourself and pray this prayer and mean it, God will meet you right where you're at and he will make you born again. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. In fact, all together, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your, thank you for dying for me. And I open up my heart and I pray that you would forgive me. Help me to follow you. I leave my past and today I serve you. I believe with all of my heart that you died for me and I am saved. If you believe that, say amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. Listen, if you're here today and you pray that prayer for the first time, let me tell you that God, he is a respecter of persons. And if you pray that prayer, he will honor your faith and you are born again. You are born again. I'm gonna give you a few things to do. Number one is I wanna encourage you to find a good church. If you're here in this area, this is a good church. If you're not from this area, there are great churches, find you a church. Secondly, I wanna encourage you to get in your word. And if you don't have one, we can make sure to get you a Bible. And number three, I wanna encourage you to begin to find other believers and begin to allow God to, to, to disciple you and begin to speak into your life. But today all, you, today, all we have to know today, one thing and one thing only is that God loves you. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.